And I confirmed the rat one night when uh, I was out until like 10 p.m. or something. And I came home and I heard some rustling in the bathroom. And uh, I was like, Josh, and you weren't in there. And um, oh, <laughs> so you, Mr. Marble. <laughs> <laughs> What were we talking about a second ago? Arrested Development. We were talking about Arrested Development. Um, I remember getting that on DVD back in uh, uh, high school, and you said I'd let you borrow them? Yeah, you let me borrow the DVDs for a long time. And I remember watching it in my, like, I had like a, it's like dinosaur desktop computer, and you let me borrow all the DVDs and... I watched it through, and I think I like kept like every time I'd see it, I'm like, man, season three is like really funny, and uh, um, and then I eventually gave it back to you, I guess, but uh, <clears throat> but yeah, and then they came back and did that sort of not very funny. I was gonna say, reboot. what do you think of it? I got like a couple episodes in, and just didn't get any further. I got really excited about it when it first was announced because I... Well, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you? you I know? mean, it, it, it looked like a dumb reunion thing and they did a good job of like making it relevant to like the time that had passed in between. Yeah. Because remember the first like Arrested Development seasons were really relevant to like the time that it came out with it being like 2003 to 2005 and we were in Iraq and Afghanistan and that oh, was what yeah. a lot of the plot was about. So then when they came out with like the newer seasons in like 2013, I remember thinking like, this is going to be hard for them to, a lot of has changed yeah. in the world, but they kind of, they touched it a little bit. It just kind of felt like a little bit of a money grab. I didn't think that it was that great. Yeah. What's funny to me is those, you know, everybody's doing the, the, the reboot or like the, it's a nostalgia sort of saturated environment now, but uh, it's, you know, there there are some ways to like you know the the de aging thing, which I guess is like pretty admirable if you're able to successfully do that. Because I did I did that with Sam Jackson with one of the Marvel movies, and it looked really good. Do you mean just like digitally? Yeah, like like he's way older now, but they did him they like CGI'd him as if he were back in the '90s. I think it was for Captain Marvel. I guess you kind of have to be someone like him who was in so many movies when they were that age. Yeah, yeah. That you can actually go back and find the footage. And they did that a little bit in, um, uh, I think, Star Wars Rogue One with Carrie Fisher. Like, they yeah. made... they. Ma I guess they just had an actress who looked enough like her, and then they yeah, put yeah. Carrie Fisher's face on her. Yeah. So Star Wars... One thing that's cracking me up is, like, you know, they came up with the Obi-Wan show, and they yeah. brought back Ewan McGregor and... Hayden Christensen to reprise their roles, which that's cool, you know, but like all of these, like, I'm a pretty big Star Wars guy. <laughs> Admittedly. Yeah, I yeah. I think you already knew that, yeah. but like, uh, uh, but they like, like all of the featurettes that come out, you know, like the behind the scenes thing, there always has to be like, you know, the, 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 the force theme is playing and then like, it'll be some like shot of like a slow-mo thing of him, like putting on the robe, the Jedi <laughs> robe. And then like, you just hear like, it's good to be back, you know, and it's like all of these videos are the same. It's the same. Yeah, I yeah. think they're, there's some guy that's like, all right, when you do the interview, just be sure you talk about how like you really like being back for this role now. Yeah. It's like an accumulation of 20 years of, you know, it's like you're coming home, you know, it's that, and it's like, I, I feel like I can kind of sniff it out at this point that it's, some of it's not as genuine as 
they want you to think it is. What is your uh, opinion of the... Uh, I'm really bad with Star Wars stuff because I'm not a very good fan. <laughs> Try me, I bet I could. The prequels? Uh, yeah. w- w- how do you feel about the prequels? Because I, I, I've known some people... A lot of people love to hate on the prequels. Yeah. Other people are like, no, the prequels are great. So what do yeah. you think? Uh, I think... I mean, my opinion is probably the same for most. I mean, they're... Um, the story is really good. I think sometimes the acting was a little wooden, you know. But um, but I, it came out when, you know, in this like magical. I was a kid when those were coming out, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess you were too. So it was like yeah. there's like this, there is the nostalgia to it, you know. Um, I remember. Uh, yeah. I think Revenge of the Sith. I think was the first like PG thirteen movie my parents let me go see. Like I remember, I remember a dis- distinctly a conversation like in my parents' house, like in their kitchen. And my mom was like, you know, Jim, you're not going to let Josh go to this PG-13. <laughs> and my dad, my dad was like, Melinda, it's Star Wars. Come on. You know? And then I was like, yes. Dad's, dad's word. We're good for it. So we're going. Yeah. That's but awesome. It was, yeah. I mean, that, I see they, they rated it PG-13 though. I mean, it got a guy, he like gets burned alive, you know? So it's my opinion that dads in general don't really care about the movies their kids watch <laughs> as much as the moms, which yeah. I mean, maybe it's just my experience, but like so far it's been like, even with parents that I've known who are really open with their kids, like you can watch whatever. Yeah. Usually the dad is the more of the, like the, I don't really care one. Yeah. Because like, I remember when I was a kid, uh, my family liked, uh, I mean, these are kind of scary, but like my family liked the mummy movies, which were PG 13. Was that Brendan Fraser? Brendan Fraser. Right, yeah. yeah. The first two were, I mean, they're scary, but it's it's not like a horror movie. It's like an action-packed like mummy movie, and uh, and so we liked those movies. And then the in two thousand three, the Scorpion King movie came out, yes. and Scorpion King was like the villain character at the end of the second mummy movie, and it had uh, the Rock in one of his first like starring roles. <laughs> and I remember uh, at the time, like I so if it was two thousand three, I don't think I was ten yet. I was like yeah. nine, yeah. and I and and my mom was going out of town. Uh, she was like going out of town with a few of my siblings and it was just going to be me, my dad and my brother who was like five <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I like, I somehow convinced my dad was like, you guys want to go to the movies? And I was like, we should go see Scorpion King. And he was like, it's PG 13. And I was like, it's like the third mummy movie. We watched yeah. those. Like, you know, yeah. my brother watched that or I, I don't know if he did or not. My dad takes us to the movie and within the first five minutes of the Scorpion King, a man's head gets cut off and then like rolled across like a floor as like a signal of like, yeah, well you yeah. need to get out of here. So, and yeah. like, so then, so then I love like the, basically my dad, I guess just like didn't want to get in trouble or I don't know what happened, but yeah. he didn't say anything to my mom. And then she took the rest of my siblings to see it. And she got oh, so no. mad because she was like, you said this movie was okay. Yeah. And he was like, uh, I guess, like I, I, you know, I don't really stand by that. But anyway, yeah. it's just I, I think dads are a little bit more nonchalant. They're like, oh, that movie's fine, and it's like there's this awful scene. I mean, anyway. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there's. My dad was, he was particular if there was like a lot of like drugs and sex and stuff. You yeah. Know? But like, if it was like, you know, I feel like he was probably just like, how long do I have to wait before I show my son Saving Private Ryan? <laughs> I really want to. You know, I think by the time I did actually like was able to watch movies like that, my yeah. dad was like, "All right, now check this out. This is this is a this is a good one." That's how yeah. my dad was with a Godfather. He was like, "Like I walked in one day, he's watching on TNT, and I was like, what's this?'" And I started watching it with him. He's like, "Yeah, come on, it's, it's the Godfather." And I'm like, "I should not have been watching that movie. It's like, it, I mean, on TV, it's not that bad, but yeah, 
Yeah. Um, I love movies though. That's like, uh, something I feel like you and I shared, uh, like when we were roommates and everything, we got to kind of watch movies together and talk about them a lot. Yeah. Um, aside from like superhero movies though, what kind of, where do you gravitate? Like, do you, because I was into really artsy stuff when I was younger and these days I mainly do like comedy. I yeah. love really good comedy. Yeah. You know? I, I like comedy. Um, admittedly, I, like I love movies. I, I feel like I don't watch enough movies. I don't, maybe that's a weird thing to say, but like, I mean, I do, I do appreciate like just a well-made movie. I know, um. I don't know what I'm thinking. Dune, you know, was a good example of mm-hmm. recently. Like, that's, like, this is really well made. Also, like, everybody's hyping on Top Gun. It was a good movie. It was a well made movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you at least got to give them credit for, like, they were actually flying the planes around and stuff. But I haven't seen it. I've heard great things about it, though. It's worth at least one watch because it kind of had that. I mean, they were borrowing from a lot of, like, if you kind of, like, look at the, okay, this is sort of beat for beat, like the first Star Wars movie, kind of, you know, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a well-made thing at any rate. I mean, just like, um, I mean, I'm a sucker for a good action flick. I think like one of my favorites, I who was asking me the other day, like, what, like, what's your favorite movie? And uh, it's hard to pick a favorite, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I have good memories, like me and like seven other guys watching The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. <laughs> I mean, it's a good movie. It's such a good movie, yeah. right? Like, of course, there's like some cheesy parts, I'm sure, but like, it's just so entertaining, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, it was like, man, it's like a, an entire train just like demolished, you know? And Harrison Ford jumped out of the way in the nick of time, you know? It's like, I'm, I'm all for stuff like that. But a good comedy too, you know? Um, I've tried to get into like, scary movies more i think the furthest i would go is like i don't know i I at least appreciate the first halloween movie like as far as like it was made in such like a diy kind of way and i like sort of the like i guess they call it the jaws effect or whatever where it's like you don't really show the monster but it's sort of the implication that yeah he's around and like that's more scary than actually like seeing all the gore and stuff oh yeah um so um I don't know. Yeah, I just, I, you know, we could talk about movies for the whole thing, <laughs> I guess. But uh, I do love a good a good movie. Uh, well, uh, kind of in the same vein, but since we've been talking about movies, I guess we'll we'll make this music. But something I've been wanting to ask, uh, kind of borrowing from one of my favorite podcasts uh, called We Might Be Drunk. They do yeah. a thing on there uh, where they ask every episode uh, about recommendations. Give me a recommendation. What's like a, an album or an artist uh, mu- musically that you just like have been listening to lately that you want people to know about? Man. Mm. That's a toughie. I'm sorry. I mean, I should have asked this before. I should have asked you to come with some Rex. You know, and, and I get it on the spot. It's a little difficult. Yeah. Um, like like recently or well I mean it, it could be something like it could be an old old music that you've just recently discovered it's just like what have yeah. you what have you been listening to lately um, I've been listening to a lot of Xiao um, Gilberto it's uh, like Bossa Nova oh yeah. I, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about yeah. sorry sorry okay yeah um, I, I feel like I'm kind of like nerdy about the Bossa Nova stuff or like I'll start getting like excited about it and then people will be like, yeah, it's great, man. You know, there's elevator music, you know, but I, I, I love that kind of stuff. I appreciate it. it yeah. Like, the, the first album he did with um, Stan Getz and I mean, just about anything those guys could, did together. I think the girl from Ipanema. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, it's such a classic. I like, I like Stan Getz a lot too. Mm-hmm. And um, I got for 
my parents, I got the, like last Christmas, I bought the like Stan Getz, like essential collection or whatever, so we could play it at, at dinner and stuff. And, nice. Um, on, on vinyl, but um, yeah, it's just like something about that kind of music is, um, well, we were on, uh, we went on tour, Make Sure went on tour back in May and, you know, we're playing with all these like hardcore bands and it's like super noisy every night and just like a lot of hard rock and, and it's awesome. But like when we were in the van, I'm kind of like, okay, I want a little like detox. So I would turn on, we would turn on like Jojo Berto and just yeah. vibe out a little bit, you know, and it was very peaceful. Um, so I don't know, like I like rocking stuff, but I also like the quiet things too. So well, that's something I've always kind of, uh, when I think about, you know, I've known you for a long time. Um, I feel like you do listen to a pretty good range of music, mm -hmm. but like if I'm thinking back to like the early days of when I knew you, you definitely listened to a lot of ambient music. I think you yeah. made music a lot more ambient, like a lot more ambient style music back yeah. then. Um, did you, was that kind of like, I'm trying to think of the way to phrase my question. Yeah. Kind of like help me understand, I guess, uh, the like, going from back then where you were, I mean, like, for example, when you did like Quality Strangers, that was yeah. pretty much all ambient, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Quality Strangers started out as um, our mutual friend Thomas, you know, me and him got to be friends in middle school and like he had a MacBook and while we weren't making, when we, when we weren't making just like stupid YouTube videos, uh, we were working on some, it's just experimenting with music. Yeah. And, um, but I kind of realized, you know, and that was my first time ever trying to record anything, but it was like, okay, well, if I just crank up the reverb knob or, or you know, hit the delay or your reverb button, everything sounds cool immediately. You yeah. Know? Um, so that was like, um, and I was listening to a lot of My Buddy Valentine. I think that was probably, I would have coined them as my favorite band. And I remember, I think you probably did tell me that that was your favorite um, band back in the day. And they're great. I, I, yeah. I stand by it. I, I love that band. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, and back then too, I was, I still love a lot of the same kind of music that I listened to back then, but especially like bands like Stars of the Lid, um, where it's just, or like, even like Godspeed You Black Emperor had some ambient passages in their um, songs. But I, I, I just, I like the idea of this, because ambient feels like it's sort of this like living, breathing organism. And it's sort of, you're just like observing a moment or this this creation and you're able to sort of get lost in it um, and, you know, lay in a hammock or something and just zone out, you know. Yeah. But like there is, I don't know, there's just something really meaningful to me about that. Um, I understand it's not everybody's cup of tea, but um, I liked it a lot. I think that, well, I mean, uh, I'm going to get back to my, kind of like the direction of my question yeah. in a second, but I think that you and like Seth were some of the, and like Jackson were some of the first people I ever knew who did play. I mean, because everybody knows, you know, the different styles of music that there's like, there is soft, slow music, there's loud, fast music and that like, but then the kind of stuff that you guys were playing was, was very, or that you guys were showing me was like, oh, I didn't know that this was music. Yeah. I thought this was just like something that like a hotel lobby played in the background or so I mean, which sounds yeah. weird, but it's like, it sounds atmospheric, you know, yeah. it, it doesn't yeah. really sound like what we traditionally think of as like music, at least in the West. But, um, back to my kind of question, how do you think then that like that totally ambient sound that you kind of went with back then 
has kind of like, because I, I hear, you know, obviously elements of like, your music is very patient. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, when even the stuff you make these days, but talk to me about that. Like, how do you think that that kind of background influences what you do now? I mean, I'm, I think it's like, it's a lot of fun to add just weird and strange noises to my songs. And to me, that's like, that's a trademark of like, a lot of my favorite albums is like the funny noises and stuff they put in there because it adds more like personality. Um, but also like, I don't know, an example might be like uh, the first track off of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. It's a Wilco record, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think it's I'm trying to break your heart. But like there's a part in that song where like maybe multiple times where it it's like they're jamming and then it just sounds like it just kind of like dies for a second you know and then these like weird things just start like appearing mm -hmm. it's like the band was like playing and then something like broke and they just you know yeah and uh and i just that's always so fascinating to me that um you know you can break the rules of conventional song structure and get into these like abstract um moments and and things like that so um i don't know i i Ironically, I mean, the record I'm working on now um, is, like, going to be the most tightly arranged, like, pop rock thing I've ever done. Um, I do think there's still going to be, hopefully, elements of, you know, sort of the um, strange sounds of my past work, you know, still in there. But um, uh, but but that, I think there's, like, a time and a place for everything. So, like, I think oh, yeah. there's a time and a place for, like, you know, super buttoned up pop rock stuff, which I love, you know, uh, and then there's also, um, when you, if you want to lean really hard in the other direction and listen to like, you know, earth or something, something like drone metal band or something, yeah. um, or Boris, you know, but like, but then there's <laughs> like, you can put the two together, you know, you can have this, this marriage of the, of there's like two extremes. And then I, I think that's kind of where I like to I want to live in that sort of middle yeah. area there because um, you get up. I don't know. You, I, I think you just get more interesting music that way. Um, I'm not a, like I said, I'm not opposed to any of those options. Um, uh, like, you know, like pop. I don't I'm not opposed to pop music. I like pop music. There's, there's some stuff that's like it's popular for a reason. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just like. I want to just like cover all the bases. That's that's kind of what I've I've always wanted to be a uh, a versatile uh, artist. That it's like you never, it's always going to sound like so and so, but you know you never quite know what you're going to get. I feel like sort of the the Smashing Pumpkins were that way. Maybe like the Cure a little bit, you know, stuff like that. Oh yeah, well I mean um, that's actually a good lead in I think to. Something else I wanted to talk about, and we can touch back into this a bit over the podcast, but um, you have had multiple uh, projects over the years yeah. that are, that I think have you know distinct sounds. I mean, I mentioned one already, Quality Strangers. Thank God that <laughs> you think that they're distinct. <laughs> well, yeah. no, no, I mean, dude. Well, okay, here's what I mean. I don't think. I, I can't imagine uh, make sure making a song like Turkey Vulture, and then you know you know what I'm saying. Well, because because like if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah. I think I remember an early 
when, when you release your summer rooms, yeah. uh, when you release that first like uh, album mixtape, summer rooms, the first one, yeah, in twenty fourteen, yeah, I yeah. think I remember the description that you had online, or you 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 wanted it to sound like it was like a beat up cassette tape that someone found on the side of the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it and and so it's like kind of lo fi, a little bit um like you're not exactly sure how to pin this cassette the, down. I the, mean, and this, I'll tell you a quick story behind why, like where that idea came from. Yeah. I remember it was either a cassette or like a burn CD or something, but me and Jackson Gafford were like driving home or walking home from school one day or something. And like, we found something on the side of the road and it was like, un, it didn't have like, you could tell that it was like, there was music on it, but it didn't have anything. You couldn't tell what, what it was cause it wasn't labeled. Yeah. And then, uh, and I, we just had this hypothetical conversation. We were like, what if this is the greatest album ever made? <laughs> and, you know, we, we, you know, but we just found it. We happened upon it. And, uh, and so then I was kind of thinking like, okay, well, what if it's, you know, all these expectations of what is this thing? What would it sound like? I mean, it's been laying on the side of the road, so it's probably going to be kind of beat up or warped or something. And then I think it didn't, I think I remember like we, I tried it out later and it was like Miley Cyrus or something. So, <laughs> you always you know, wanted to be more but, profound than it. Yeah, yeah but the idea was like, yeah. okay, well, what is this? So like the first summer rooms, yeah, I had this like, I mean, I mean, I, I think everybody was listening to like Mac DeMarco and real estate and stuff back then. So there was obviously some that's of exactly that. That's exactly the, <clears throat> I mean, it's not, that's not what the whole album sounded yeah. like at all, but like that's the time period I take myself back sure. to, he was the most popular yeah. indie artist around. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, so some of that definitely bled into it, but the, the idea being, yeah, it's like, it's this summery weird and warbly kind of thing. And, yeah. You know. Well, I guess to me, I guess my, I, I bring that one up because it's like summer rooms to me is distinct from the others because it's a, it is the more experimental one. It's like yeah. kind of, the one that you can play around with a little bit more. Um, make sure is your newest uh, band and project, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, and probably the I call it the main one. And I am trying to like lean into more, like making it weirder, you know, and like doing yeah. that and more progressively as I as I go on with make sure. I, I think, I mean, I don't know if I'll, this is the definitive end of you know summer rooms or whatever but it's just like i don't know if i don't really have a desire to return to it right now so yeah. like but i may just sort of like well why can't i just be crazy with make sure and do whatever i want um uh, but yeah it's a lot of times it's just a point of uh that's like a comical topic that it's like oh he's another band name okay he's got like five of them now but um you know it's fun to play around with them but i mean i think i appreciate that because you're, I don't know. I mean, I think it just shows an awareness that, that you're not trying to make the same. I think what it shows to me is that like, it's, it's almost like you telling people like, don't try to judge this album that I'm putting out against what I, this other stuff, because mm. that, and I mean, uh, there's some artists who kind of keep the same name over the years and I understand that too, but then people might criticize them for like, the music doesn't sound the same anymore, but you're like, well, I'm creating a new project yeah. for this. I, I I love the idea. I think it, and it makes it not so married to like whatever people you actually create something with too, because yeah. you might have a few people in your life for like three or four years, but then like college was a good example. You know, there's only a bunch of people you live around, but then afterwards they move away and then you're like, 
well, it's a good thing we didn't get too tied up together in a band or, you know, like something that I've kind of noticed about you uh, over the years is that most of your music projects are um, not that they're not collaborative, Mm. but it's it seems like a lot of times it's, you know, you're like the main uh, kind of person that's like writing and recording the music. And then whenever you play live shows or like go on a tour or something, Mm. you'll uh, get other people uh, involved obviously because yeah. you have to yeah do you do you, but then but then you also play shows where it's just you acoustically right yeah yeah and there i think there's give and take to both i mean um sometimes the um you know if you play with a band uh it's it's asking a lot it's always asking a lot for someone to like come in and you know uh hey play on my song and and um and I have so many sweet friends that are just good, good sports about all that. But like sometimes, like Hunter Jackson, he always teases me. He's like, "Dude, your kick drum parts—they're like never consistent. They're just these confusing things." But, but he has a blast though, and and, and uh, it's it's fun playing with guys like him. And so, but sometimes you know you got to practice and get everything. It it takes a lot of um, you know effort and work to kind of get get the train rolling with a, a a group and a band. Whereas like the acoustic show. Uh, it might not be ex- as exciting uh, as p- playing with a band, but um, it does take like less time to get ready for that because I can yeah. just sort of practice. Okay, here's how I play the song, and I don't have to worry about teaching anybody else like what what's going on. So um, you know, there's there's positives and negatives to both, I guess. But um, yeah, playing live, that's like I always feel like I can improve with that one. Uh, it's fun, but it's like there are always like, oh, I could have done this better or, you know, whatever. But Well, I mean, uh, that's the hard thing about live shows to me is uh, you don't always have control over everything. When you're recording music, you have, you know, you can manipulate it a million ways before anyone hears it out in the public. But yeah, like right. y- you might you might play a show somewhere where you have everything together, but the guy running the soundboard doesn't know what they're doing or, you know, and, and, and yeah. it's not that you necessarily want to blame someone else, but yeah. it could be that everyone is doing their best, <clears throat> but like the room just doesn't sound good or, you know, yeah. I've been in situations where the, it's just that it's exactly that. It's like the room just stinks. It's like a tin can, you know, and like, yep. but the, the engineer is like the sweetest, most enthusiastic, like, you know, I'm so happy to be here. I love your music, that kind of thing. And yeah. it's like too bad this room is just garbage. But yeah, um, you know, and that's just or like like we play at a place in oh, I'm blanking on what the name was. It was a it was like it's like this punk rock venue that Nirvana played in back in you know way back. Wait, in the is day. it in Athens? It's in uh, North Carolina. Okay. Um, oh, I wish I could remember the name, but. Uh, Anyway, I mean, there's like stickers everywhere, and it was it was a cool looking place, but like no AC. Yeah, you know, in true punk rock fashion, everybody's sweating their butts off. And, yeah. Um, well, in most places that have been around long enough to have someone like Nirvana play there, it's like that's been around for a while. Actually. Yeah, the AC broke 15 years ago. Just <laughs> rolled with it. What you're talking about though reminds me of uh, when we lived at Shady Glen, because just like the shows that we we would have shows there all the time, and it, and where we had you know play yeah. practice all the time. Yeah. And it was fun. But I'm sure if we went back and like actually, you know, listened, we'd be like, this sounds awful. Like yeah. just in the room because, well, because it was people packed into like a tiny apartment yeah. and, 
you know, uh, if you're in the back of the room, you don't even really hear anything except like the high pitched like symbol yeah. kind of cutting through everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But I mean, uh, you remember those days like uh, they were fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just sometimes those shows are actually were more fun to me than like playing at like a real. I love house shows. Yeah, I'll 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 stand by it. I mean, they're because they're just so. Um, well, there's a homie, you know, it's like you're, you're in a house that I always feel like less nervous to like put on this, you know, immaculate performance. Uh, oh yeah. Cause it's like, well, if I mess up, I can just, you know, make, make a silly comment and then just keep going or whatever. And like, it's more inviting and like, especially when, you know, when somebody's like sitting crisscross just on the ground watching you, it's like, yeah. okay, we're just hanging out. Like this is not a, don't don't take this too seriously. Like enjoy it and and do your best and you know have fun. But like it's okay if it's not perfect. Yeah, we're just hanging out at someone's house. Um, and then, but also you know playing a rock show. That one's a, I always feel like that one's more tricky. Like doing a rock show at a house because oh, you yeah. have to be sure the neighbors are cool with it. Um, you, well, something that yeah. I ran into, you have to be sure that the floors of the house can withstand people kind of jumping. And because yeah. I've been to house shows before where it's like the floor feels like it's going to cave in. Yeah. People are bouncing. And yeah. I, yeah, there was one where I think Dogwood Lung was playing. Uh, I was want to make sure it was like first shows ever, I think. Uh, it's like Austin Arias and some other guys were playing with me. But we were playing at the, the house where all the, the Dogwood Lung people lived. Oh yeah, time. and like good times, yeah. And like I remember, the people were jumping and at something, and then like uh, uh, somebody came in and was like, Did you "Stop it! Stop jumping!" You know, it's like this thing's gonna break. No, for real. I, I remember being there a few times, and and it may when you're playing drums, it may, you can feel it too because like yeah. your whole drum set is like shaking. Yeah. I've uh, have you ever played on a really crappy stage? That has like no weight or grounding to it, and like I played on one. Me and Alex Wilkerson. Uh, and Reed, when we were in Wilk together, we played a show at this place in Montgomery that was not a real venue, but it, they were, you know, thought they were one. Yeah. It was the kind of place where literally people had coolers of beer, like, that they right brought on, in man. themselves. Yeah. And where I was like, I don't think this is legit, but they were like, well, we don't have a liquor license. So, <laughs> but anyway. It's BYOB by necessity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. they, I got up there and, like, just the entire time, like my my drum set was literally like my cymbals were shaking like yes. this, so, and yeah. it makes it really hard to play as a drummer when you're not sure where to actually hit it's everything. Like you're on a waterbed or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, like, like I love like a really good, uh, you know, well-made house venue or something. There was but, a place uh, that we played on, and I think it was still in North Carolina, but it was this guy. Uh, he lived kind of out in the in the woods, but mm-hmm. um, or up in the mountains, and it was, but it was just called the Den, you know. But he had converted his garage into this like, I mean, it was still a garage, but like he had all this, he had like a soundboard in there, all these really cool lights and things, mm-hmm. and like pictures from we have pictures from that, and it looks really cool. Yeah, um, and a lot of people just kind of like watch from outside the garage. I mean, you could kind of come in the garage a little bit, but like you could hang out outside, you could sort of walk around, you know, but. It was that was fun, you know, and th- and it had that cool feeling. It was like, yeah, this is someone's house, but we're all here rocking out. But it also helped that it was middle of the nowhere woods too. Yeah. Um, just because I think it's fun, uh, since we're you know we were talking about Shady Glen and everything, yeah. I, I want to maybe just kind of like have, reminisce a little bit because we had some good times there. Uh, but I think uh, when I say good times. 
it's one of those things where like you look back and you're like, I feel so much better about my life now yeah. because I don't have these problems. I mean, like I got fleas, at, which that, that was the crazy part. <laughs> you did. You did not. Get the, I, we, our bedrooms are right next to each other, oh. and I don't know how that happened. I did not have any animals or a cat there, and uh, oh, I got fleas, and it was like one of the worst things I've ever had to deal with. Like yeah. because, like for months after that, I was waking up in the middle of the night with like phantom flea feeling on my yeah. legs and scratching. That that's yeah. and my legs were all scabby. It was it was awful. That but then also, good. the rat. The rat. I mean, that was kind of a... The rat. Which probably yeah. is where the fleas came from, but... Uh, Maybe so, yeah. No, the rat bugged me because uh, you and I... I don't know how we started to figure it out. I think it was like our, our, our wallpaper. The wallpaper and we had a half bath downstairs. Yeah. And then the wallpaper was like, every so often, like a little more of the wallpaper would be like munched away. And then I think you eventually were like... All right, let's talk about this. Like, what is happening? <laughs> what is, what's going on in here? Yeah. And then I was like, well, I don't know. I've never seen it. And you're like, I think we have a rat. And I confirmed the rat one night when uh, I was out until like 10 p.m. or something. And I came home <laughs> and I heard some rustling in the bathroom. And uh, I was like, Josh, and you weren't in there. And um, <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> Mr. Marble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, no, Mr. Marble but... seems harmless. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but uh, the... Uh, and I heard some rustling and I opened the door and like nothing happened for like 15 seconds. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I, I saw the rat scurry from Sorry. behind the toilet. Yeah, like yeah. like so uh. fast and going through the, through the hole in the wall. And I have never like sounded just like a little boy, just like ah! you know, just like <laughs> oh my goodness, it was crazy. But um, and then I remember you and I bought some like rat poison. We bought yeah, we bought like some poison and then like one of those like sticky trap yeah, things. Yeah, and um, I don't know how much gruesome we want to get on here, but. We we took care of the issue, it, but it I had to. I mean, I'll tell you, what, you you can tell the whole story if you want. Well, like, I think it's fun. But, oh gosh. Well, I mean, what I well, remember yeah. was that we heard one night like it squealing. We were like, oh, I think it's stuck. Yeah. But we we're like, we're not going to do anything. Let's go let it die. Yeah. Because you know? yeah, yeah. there was poison in the middle of this trap. It, it, and yeah. I don't know how this happened, but the rat over the course of the night did not die, even though it had eaten a big chunk of poison. And was just like laying on this thing and it pulled its fur off. It was pretty gruesome and awful. Yeah. But. Well, I think I lured it. You're, you're, I think one of the details that we. I lured it with the. Uh, I had like old like cinnamon toast crunch or something. I don't remember and, like, this. I think I sprinkled it on the. Uh, yeah, it was some cereal. That can't be good for the rat's palate. I mean, no. that's, it was probably messing them up. Yeah, well, anyway, also the poison. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I just remember that what was hilarious to me about it, because I just think of you as such a kind, gentle guy, <laughs> was, but I mean, not that this is not the merciful thing to do, but you were, you put uh, him into like a plastic bin and then yeah. you took him out I, the dumpster. I put him, in, I put him in a trash bag. Yeah. And he was still, so he had, he had eaten the poison, like. 12 hours ago. <laughs> yeah. I had in, eaten and ingested this poison, this poor little rat. And uh, um, I'll set the record straight. You know, if if it okay. were, if it were, a, if we were able to do this, if we were able to capture him and set him free in the world, oh, same. We would have done it. I, I, but, I don't care about killing rats. Now that, we, just... now that we've, now that we've gotten that out of the way. Yeah. I, so I, so he had eaten the poison, like, I'm sure like at night or something. And then like the following day, he was still in there just like, 
oh, you know, just like not dead yet. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this poor guy. You could see that he had, yeah, he'd eaten some of it. And so I like got a trash bag and some gloves and like put them in there. And then, and then he's like in the, the bag, you know, he's just like, you know, trying to, yep. and it's like, oh, this little guy. And um, anyway, so I took him to the dumpster and I put him out of his misery. <laughs> With a broken beer bottle, I believe. <laughs> it wasn't broken. It was still solid. Okay, well, but, e- either way, I mean, it's not that that's not, you know, the merciful thing to do. Also, My rat. mom's going to watch this and be like, Joshua! <laughs> that poor little rat. Well, that's why it was so funny, was that I was expecting you to be like, yeah, I just threw him in the dumpster, but then you were like, well, I found a, b- a beer bottle next to the dumpster <laughs> and uh, put, put him out of his misery, and I was like... That's kind of hard ass, Josh. That, that's a, I didn't know you had it in you. All right. Yeah, man. Well, it's like he was. No, I know. Imagine the. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I. I uh, that's what I was like. I was like, I can either. I, yeah. It's like I have. It's almost like I had to do it. You know. I mean, honestly, it's not like we had a bunch of ridiculous. We were pretty tame dudes, you yeah. know, for, especially compared to some people at Shady Glen. So <laughs> it's like what the, the rat story is pretty much the, the best story I think we have. <laughs> other than you like finding me on the floor once or twice, you know, like that was, that, those are fun times. But, up, a little bit. Yeah. But I remember, well, I remember uh, we had the, uh, the, the group text that we had or, uh, for, or we had like a group me mm-hmm. for all the Shady Glen people in it. When I think when I first got there, it was Shady Glen, the next generation. Yeah. And then like the next year came around and so somebody changed it to Shady Glen Deep Space Nine. <laughs> but um, anyway, but I remember we we were texting the group about the rat and like Matt Rebels said something like, it's like, you guys are what like what a waste. Have you ever seen Ratatouille? Like think of the potential. <laughs> the potential you you've missed. Um, no, one of my favorite uh, things that happened when we lived in that apartment was uh, the day that Seth threw a banana through my window. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and, and he made a video, I think it's still on his Instagram somewhere, where he's like, he acted like he was on Jackass or something, he was like, <laughs> hey, I'm Seth Brown, this is Jackass, and he threw a banana peel through my window, and I, was, and I remember being downstairs, I don't think you were home, I, I was like downstairs, and I heard a thud, and I was like, what was that? But I was like, I don't know, and I walked outside, and they were all like, did you... Did you see it? And yeah. I was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, <laughs> I loved, I I just loved living somewhere where you could walk, you know, to the front of Shady and uh, find someone uh, playing music. And then somebody, you could go, yeah. yeah, just somebody, someone to hang out with. Somebody was going to be there either working on music or just hanging out. I mean, the, the porch, I, I missed that. I just like um, Seth and Matt, all of them had their... Yep. It was like every night you could, if you just wanted to hang out on the porch, you could. And, and, uh, yeah, it was pretty disappointing there near the end when we were still living at Shady and all those people had left and we were like the last stragglers, you know, uh, holding on. And, um, you know, uh, they started like redoing the carpets at Matt's old apartment. I was like, no, those, (laughs) those, those have, uh, those have blood stains, but like fake blood from Halloween, like little caplets, you know, someone just spit it out at the Halloween party. The memories. Yeah. And I'm sure someone's like, this is a ratty old carpet. What are you talking about? But, uh, I mean, but, but yeah, I look back fondly at that time, those times, because I've never been so like surrounded by talented people just like, and like, in my actual vicinity and just kind of like in my social life, like we were constantly, you know, jamming or uh, even if you were just sitting around like on the porch or something like riffing, like you, you and Seth would always do these like fun, uh, 
you know, a little like comedy kind of like sketches. Yeah. My favorite was the one that y'all would do, which I think is hilarious, but <laughs> some people might not really love it because I mean, it can go on pretty long. But it's the one where, where y'all just act like old men who are like sitting outside of like a gas station in in the South and you're like, Oh, I'll take I-95 all the way down to 22, and then I'll cut it about five miles in. And then basically, you're just making up all these numbers and names. But, but like, but, and then yeah. someone will like chime in. They're like, wait, wait, wait. I thought they were doing construction on 22. You know, it, it, it sounds like a real conversation that you would hear somewhere the in the whole south. thing's just BS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it seems like it could be an SNL sketch. Like they, uh, have you ever seen the one where uh, the ca- the Californians? Is that what no, I was, I was talking about uh, Bill Brasky. Where oh no, they, okay. It's basically like they they all these drunk guys show up to a funeral and they're like, oh, our friend Bill Brasky, he was the best, and they all tell these absurd stories about him. Like, but the one I always remember is uh, Will Ferrell says. <laughs> his poop is considered currency in Argentina. Like they, they say things like that about him, where it's just like that's just not true. But but anyway, I, I love stuff like that where it's just yeah, it's just BS. Um, but anyway, uh, I think maybe now since we're in a silly mood, is a yeah. good time. Where I have a I have like a this or that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I think you probably saw the one I did with Walker, um, or you yeah. might not have. Even if you didn't, it like. Uh, you're familiar with the general yeah, idea. Of course, of course. I'll give you two things. You got to tell me, you know, uh, and uh, we're not going to put a timer on it or anything. It's just kind of a fun game. And um, yeah. so, uh, like I said, these may or may not be um, related to each other. Okay. Might be, or they might be in the exact, exact same category. So, either way. Okay. This or that for Josh Jackson. Let's go. Space Invaders or Pac Man? <sighs> Space Invaders. All right. Queso or guacamole? Uh, I'm allergic to avocados, so queso all day. I could have sworn I've seen you eat some uh, guacamole before. Well, I got sick afterward, I'm sure. <laughs> it would have been to my own detriment. <laughs> John Wayne or Wayne Brady? <laughs> uh, I'm, I have to say John Wayne, because my, my dad's like a diehard. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, the Grateful Dead or the Almond Brothers? Uh, I'm gonna go Almond Brothers. Why? They they have that song Little Martha. It's like one of my favorite instrumental songs ever. And they have some perfect. good instrumentals. Yeah. Snack packs or lunchables? Lunchables all day long. Uh, mumble rap or cock rock? <laughs> <laughs> you know what both of those things are, right? Like, I don't know if I know cock rock. Uh, Creed, Nickelback. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Disturbed, <laughs> or not, not disturbed, but like stained, you know, bands like, uh, they, uh, they, there used to be an infomercial called Monsters of Rock, like, yes. or Monster Rock. Yeah. That was, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Wes Anderson or Anderson Pack? <sighs> um, Wes Anderson, I guess. Saturday Night Live or Mad TV? <sighs> Mad TV. I love Mad TV. Yeah. Some good stuff. Uh, Nirvana or Smashing Pumpkins? Smashing Pumpkins. See, I, I feel like I yeah. figured that answer out earlier. Yeah. Bernie Mac or Mac DeMarco? Uh, Bernie Mac. <laughs> nice. Uh, I like Mac DeMarco, okay. It's, well, yeah, I know. Yeah. But I, mean, I think it's just fun sometimes to have like a... <laughs> you have to choose between two things that you're like, I don't know. Right, uh, right. But it's, it only makes sense if you understand the references, though, because like I made a couple references with Walker that I was like, oh, man, he didn't know this one. Dang it. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, um, it's just a fun way to get to know you a little bit better. 
Who's the real Josh Jackson? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, we let's go kind of into a little bit more of like what I traditionally do. Um, I didn't really, you know, do a formal, I guess, introduction uh, on camera with you, but we have Josh Jackson in the studio. Um, he is a good friend from growing up. We've known each other since like probably. I think I actually officially met you in high school. I was but, like in like ninth grade or tenth grade or something like that. But. I feel like we. There's no way we did not see each other, run into each other. Did you go to Oak Lake Middle School? Yeah. Well, the thing was, me and your brother uh, Oliver were like good. You know, we were buddies, and he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> He's the worst. No, uh, but I just knew you as Oliver's brother for a while. Oh, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I didn't really know anything about you, and then yeah. um, you know, finally. But I was friends with him for a few years, and and uh, then I finally got around to meeting you. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first met you, you were like, yeah, at least a year, year and a half younger than me. You were two school grades younger than me. I thought you were older than me. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like, I remember uh, you were one of those people. I don't know if you had facial hair back, like, back then, but that could have been it. Because sometimes that does it for people. If you have a beard in high school and I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I really committed to the beard until, um, you know, sometime in college. But, okay. Uh, yeah. No, it's probably my... Um, mature demeanor that you <laughs> well my point is there's no way we didn't see each other at some because i used to see jackson around like in middle school me and him would walk the same route to get to school uh, yeah. uh every day but um yeah, we had a bunch of mutual friends i mean it was, yeah we was we were bound to meet up at some point I, I remember the first day i met you you were i think you gave you were given like jackson a ride or something and you drove this truck that had like the little like mini seat in the back yep little jump I, seats in the back i, I rode in that I was like, this is something special. I've never done this before. I once fit, yeah, like Seth, who has really long legs, oh, yeah. in the front seat and then two other people in the back. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. But, um, but I, I, what I what I traditionally talk about with people at the beginning of each podcast is like where you're from originally. Mm-hmm. Um, because a big focus in this podcast is I like to interview people from the South um, because it's just kind of generally uh, – what I identify with is like um, what it means to kind of be like a musician or a creative or an artist in the southeastern United States, mainly yeah. like Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. Um, but kind of talk to me, tell the audience where you're from originally, where we're from, I guess, and yeah. then um, uh, how you began playing music, like learning how to play music. So I was born in Opelika, Alabama, as were you, and uh, I grew up and a family that no one really played instruments, but we all like to listen to music. So, um, but me and my siblings, I'm the youngest of four. Um, we were always like burning CDs and like, uh, my older brother especially was like, um, every like paycheck or whatever for his job, he would go to the store Hastings, which is closed now. I love now, but, Hastings. And he would always just like buy new CDs and, and you know, find new stuff. And um, I, he, he, he kind of like, made a point to to like educate me on like what was good you know and i'm glad he did because like um to him what was good would be like the cure or um you know oasis and like stuff like that and like say what you will about oasis but like they were like a pivotal band for me growing up like i, I mean, knew all of their albums he could have yeah. pointed you towards like yeah. insane clown posse or something. yeah something like that yeah. but uh you know but it was a lot of like 90s rock and you know some 80s stuff and um and just so anyway, uh, 
I and like Radiohead as well, Soundgarden, those kind of things. Yeah. And, and so I just got like really into that sort of music, um, especially in like my teenage years, and like really gravitated towards that that kind of stuff. And um, but I I think my brother actually I'll give him credit. I think he I think he picked up guitar in like high school or college or something. Yeah, he didn't end up sticking with it, but we had one around the house. And I remember like one day, like sneaking into his room when he wasn't home and just like strumming the strings. You know, I didn't know what in the world I yeah, was doing. Yeah. I was like a little kid, but just being fascinated that I was like, I can strum this and like sound comes out. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, and so it just, I'd had this fascination with it. But um, I think really I just wanted to get into music because of, um, I just wanted to make records. That was the thing that I wanted to do. I didn't, like playing live is, is fun, but it wasn't really what I was like imagining. I like I wanted to do the, you know, like I just love the experience of listening to an album and like the story you could tell with that. And, um, you know, so I was like, I just want to learn how to create something like this. Um, and eventually when I got to be like 15 or 16, that was when I started delving into that you know, for the first time. Mm-hmm. So. So did you have any like formal instruction though? Like in terms of, uh, I thought you were in band or a percussion a little bit. Uh, you? I was in percussion in uh, middle school. Um, and I guess that was fine. I never, I didn't ever stick with the band. Um, but I did, I think when I was 11, I got my first guitar. Um, and, you know, I got like some guitar lessons and stuff. Uh, but then eventually I like, I just wasn't like at first I wasn't too keen on it because it like it makes your fingers hurt. But then like uh, eventually started getting really into listening to records like pretty seriously and and just admiring that art form. And so I was like, well, I want to learn how to play songs. I want to learn how to play these songs that I like, you know, whether it's like, you know, Smashing Pumpkins or Radiohead or something and, and just figuring out. Um, you know, what are the chords or even like, you know, Coldplay or something. I'm like, yeah. oh, he tunes he tunes the high E to an E flat and then you get this cool open chord. You know, that stuff was like just so fascinating mm-hmm. to me. And so I was the kid who was, I don't know, I was always cruising on an ultimate guitar or something and, and just looking up how to play certain songs and different tunings and stuff I yeah. could mess with. I feel like I used to look at so many like guitar tab websites where I would try playing what they said was like correct for the song and yeah. i was like this doesn't it's not right at all like, dude it, well and what's funny is like i've had um like some people ask like i don't know it's like it's like hey cool song tabs question mark you know and i'm and i'm like i'm like at that point i'd rather just like you know make a video and just show you how yeah. to play because i'm like i'm like writing out like the you know, I don't know how anybody dash, 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 did that know? yeah like yeah, it, that, that hurt that's even harder to me than like writing actual music like yeah because it is a lot of uh, I don't know that's like a weird way of like transposing something into a different language and it's it's for your benefit really if you want to like look at a, a sheet of paper or a thing on your computer to play a song it's for yeah. your benefit to just learn how to play chords yeah. or you know and yeah. like actually know what you're doing yeah um but uh so so it sounds like for you mostly your you know journey of like becoming a musician has kind of happened fairly i guess organically in terms of like it's more based around 
what you wanted to make. Like for me, as as like in opposition to that, like I felt like for such a long time, I was taught these things about music that I, I eventually was like, I just don't really know how this is going to be relevant to like the music I actually want to make. Yeah. Because by the time I was in like high school, I was like, why would I actually, unless I was getting paid a lot, like why would I want to be in a symphony as a percussionist yeah. or, you know, something like that. I would understand it if you played a stringed instrument or something, there's yeah. more prestige to that. But like if as a drummer or as like a guitar player or something like that, like they're, you know, uh, like, that kind of formal instruction is not always the best way for someone to learn. Yeah, it wasn't what I was interested in. Like, I'm and I'm I'm not knocking it. I mean, if that's what like some, if someone's really passionate about, um, you know, like I have a cousin who's like this excellent trumpeteer. Yeah, and I'm like that's great. Like, keep that up, you know. But like, I just wanted to do. I wanted to write songs that were really emotional <laughs> and like, but I'll, and make like weird noises and stuff. And that yeah. was just what I wanted. Cause I wanted to make, I wanted to make sounds. Uh, I wanted to make songs like the songs that I loved to listen to. And, yeah. um, and you know, the best way I could figure that out was like, okay, we'll just guitar is such an immediate instrument. You know, if I wanted to learn how to play, you know, <clears throat> this certain i can't think of an example but it's just like you can quit if you have the right effects pedals or if you have the right guitar you know and you know how to play the part exactly it's like pretty quickly you're you're kind of in the ballpark of what's on the record yeah and um so that's just a lot of that's just fun you know because then you get to like mix and match and combine you know it's like oh it's a it sounds like the cure but there's this like my buddy valentine weird thing happening and you get to put them together and mm-hmm. um and just so yeah that's that's what i'm always thinking of is just like kind of throwing stuff in a blender and seeing what happens yeah well and like i i feel like your music uh we kind of touched on this a little bit but um i feel like it does have a good range to it like uh your rec- your most recent project uh Ninjutsu. Yeah. I mean, the whole name of the album is it? Is it's that just? It's just. Oh, it's just. Yeah. But the yeah. song is is that you? Ninjutsu. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> For make sure I got that right. Yeah. Um. But which? Okay. What is that? A what is ninjutsu? I I'm not sure that ninjutsu you... is a. Um, number one, it's just a really cool looking word. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Secondly, it's it's like this uh, form of martial arts that originated from Japan. It's just like the fighting style of ninjas basically um, gotcha okay but um sort of the like i don't know a lot of the song titles on there are kind of like tongue-in-cheek or a little silly um like is that you ninjutsu i always just thought that was a funny title it's like, <laughs> like, what does that even mean but it has this alliteration mm-hmm. um but um I don't know the the title itself i mean lyrically a lot of the album kind of deals with the stages of grief and how like that's sort of like a learned skill to like be able to process through emotions, um, which is not something I've not always been good at, but I've had to learn how to process my emotions and be emotionally uh, like aware of what I'm feeling, you mm-hmm. know, um, and uh, just how to navigate that stuff. But like, so that was like naming it ninjutsu to me was sort of like a way of, it's like, it was kind of silly, you know, compared, it's not the same thing, like learning, a fighting style but like you know you are learning something new nevertheless yeah and um so that was just kind of a 
maybe a, a different way of looking at it, you know. Well, similar to a, a, a form of martial arts, uh, dealing with grief is something that you don't want to have to do. Right. You don't want to pull out your your moves. Yeah. But you have to develop them because otherwise, when the when the going gets tough, you're gonna it's gonna be difficult for you. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta know what are you gonna hold on to. How are you gonna mm-hmm. process this? So. Well, I mean, similarly, uh, or not similarly, but uh, you were saying that some of the song titles have like a. It's like they're silly, or, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, like I love the fact that Japanese bonus track is in like the middle. It's not really like <laughs> yeah. it, it, it would have fooled me a little bit if it was like literally at the end of the album. I'd yeah. be like, okay, well, that that yeah. makes. But I, I think I remember you saying something about how uh, you kind of explained a little bit about that. That uh, in Japan they often get like CD versions that have extra. Yeah, I, I think so. I think the way it goes was like. In Japan, buying a CD, I think, is like more expensive than yeah. most places. But to incentivize buying the CD in Japan, they would put like an extra song on it. Yeah, that's and right. So there you go. Nice. That's one of my favorites on there. Um, yeah, I really do. like. Uh, for some reason, the line uh, from the, I guess, the, what you would call the chorus. The, yeah. When I swing myself, I never miss. Yeah. That's one of those that kind of sticks in your head a little yeah. bit. Um, but I think the album, like I was saying a second ago, does a really good job uh, in terms of just like the sounds that you use kind of floating between um, some of your stuff that you've done before that is more like acoustic and then some yeah. stuff that ha- is like a bit more, um, I'm trying to think of how to put it, uh, has more going on instrumentally. Like yeah. there's more... Uh, layers yeah. happening at the same time there's a lot of crazy noises and stuff yeah and that was intentional i mean yeah um i wanted to sound i wanted it to be a weird record you know like still have cohesive songs in there but like upon hearing them they're like there's a lot of is that like r2d2 or something you know like, <laughs> what is that you know so um but the, that that stuff honestly like once you've already kind of got like a song there and then just like throwing in extra weird stuff yeah. is so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I had a point that I was going to make about that. Give me a second. Yeah. I mean, we talked about a little bit uh, that uh, Jackson did the album art for you. Um, what kind of, uh, I mean, and he, he pretty much exclusively does, or a lot of what he does is like collage. Collaging, yeah. Yeah. Do you like, I guess he did a lot of that from like, because he has like National Geographic magazines, doesn't he? Yeah, Nat Geo, and then um, I'm sure he could tell you what else he's pulling from. Yeah. But um, he, yeah, he just has a, he has like this quirky sensibility about how to put things together. Like it's, and yeah, it's like I can always kind of tell when it was a Jackson like piece. Yeah. And and I think that's a good thing. Um, oh, yeah. Even sure. if it is like because it's kind of funny or or, or there's, um like it's like oh of course he would put the you know people carrying a dragon like just in the middle of it and i don't know like no context that sort of thing. and like um just like fun stuff like that and and um i think i think i i i like he made that before the record was even done i think i just sent him the first song um and and i was like okay just what are you, whatever you're hearing in your head, just come up with something. And um, 
we only i'm sure we only went back and forth like once or twice you yeah know, before it was like okay that's it that's the thing um so yeah he's he's got a what i love so much about his his music and the way he goes about it is that it's so visual like i know he's he thinks so visually about his music and that was definitely something i wanted to do with this record that mm-hmm. i wanted the songs to have a sort of a visual palette um and the way that they sound that it's like, that like if you closed your eyes you could you would imagine these i don't know if they i don't know if they're you know coherent images or anything but at least some kind of some kind of visuals happening mm-hmm. um that was what i wanted anyway but i um what i would hope for uh but i thought you know jackson was a great guy to ask to do that because he he did the, his artwork for arboretums the captain Cudsey yeah. album and i thought I'm like well that fits perfectly I and mean, it just kind of Mm-hmm. It gels so well together, even though the artwork is so abstract, yeah, and strange. But he, I mean, he pulls it together, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I really love uh, the fact that you that you keep things close. That you're like using, you know, like we we've known each other since like middle school, high school. Yeah. It's just nice yeah, that yeah. you're still. And actually, that's something I had kind of transitioning into a new part of the conversation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh. Ninjutsu was Makeshure's first uh, project released under um, a record label, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, Tooth yeah. and Nail Records, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I and I think of you as such a DIY person because yeah. that's just how. Even apart from your own music, over the years, you know, you've always been able to help people like do whatever they need to do, even when they have no money or no resources. Really, we've been able to. Yeah. You've been able to figure out how to make it work. Um, so what what's the difference for you between you know stuff you've done in the past and then uh, where you either recorded it yourself or if you did record it in a studio? Uh, what, what's the difference between that and being on a record label? Like in, in your from your experience so far? Um, I think probably the biggest thing is um, you know with a with a label you've got this entity that's like vouching for you mm-hmm. and. Um, I think that's probably the most helpful aspect is like, and they're, they're really kind to be, um, you know, whoever they get, uh, that they kind of are just like, okay, you do your thing Mm -hmm. and, uh, we'll, we'll just promote what you're doing. Um, now I feel like, you know, if I turn in like a Polka record, they'd probably be like, (laughs) okay, I don't know if we can, you know, but, um, but you know, they just, they're kind of there to just be like, all right, so this this is the record, and we're gonna like tell people that hey, look at this, listen to this, um, and that's like really helpful, um, especially for you know a DIY guy like me. That um, it was always just like me going on Instagram and like hey, well here's another one, yeah, check it out, and you know, and uh, you know, and there's something there's something to that. If that's like what someone's doing right now, I'm like keep going, like don't quit just because it's not like taken off you know you have like millions of listeners you know like that doesn't mean like if you still have a drive to do it if you still have a vision and a desire to do it then like keep going um because that yeah i mean that was like i just because i was ready to release ninjutsu not like like just independently Um, i think i remember that because i think maybe you and i like you had showed it to me and then I think maybe once the label came around, yeah. uh, it got a little bit delayed because it was like, well, they want to make sure to 
put yeah. the press out about it. Right, right, right. Yeah. And yeah, and like that's another thing that's really helpful is they, um, you know, they promoted it's like singles beforehand, and they kind of get like there is an art form to like getting getting the hype train going. And oh, that yeah. was something that like I don't really know how best to do that. I think I know maybe a little bit more about it now just because I've been a part of an album cycle with the mm. label. But um, um, there is like tactfulness to it and like um you know the music is the music will speak for itself hopefully you know but but like there there is a way that it's like okay well we have to play the game in order to get people to even like know about this yeah um and that's just like you surely can't get around it you know like i think i'm i'm such like a i just want to just you know just drop the album on everybody and then like here it is you know but that I think you you sacrifice like a lot of listeners by doing mm-hmm. something like that, um, and um, so I don't know. There's all this tactfulness to it, and I'm not going to pretend like I understand everything. I mean, and and that's always been a thing in the music industry, but like we live in a really kind of annoying time right now, yeah. where where uh, it's great that we have all these ways like Bandcamp or social media right. to put your music out there and not really have to have like other entities involved with it like you can get your stuff out there but that means that it's a ridiculously saturated like the like yeah. the online world feels like you know five or ten years ago you could go on instagram and just look up like local bands and then you know kind of like it, it wasn't such a saturated world now it's like there's going to be a million accounts on there and half of them aren't even a band anymore you know yeah. that kind of thing yeah yeah like what band names are taken and what aren't i mean oh that, that's such a frustrating yeah. thing i mean because like you think of a great band name and it's it's already been done but yeah i i'll just put this out in the in the internet because there is <laughs> there is a, i think we've talked about this they're they're like make sure i came up with my first ep in like 2017 yeah then like two or three years later this like I'm convinced like AI jazz thing. Like it's these two songs. And I don't know if they're on Spotify. Uh, I, don't, I think they're on Apple music, but the band name is make sure. And it's like the pictures like of like the golden gate bridge. And like, yeah. it's this elevator jazz, like these two songs and there's nothing else from this supposed band. Like I'm, I'm like, I've told this to people and like some people are like, I think someone's pranking you, Josh. That's out there. <laughs> But um, I'm like, so anyway, like, if you know this person, like, well, please tell me who they are. Something I have seen. It's hilarious that that is a thing. This doesn't but. make quite as much sense. Uh, no offense, because you're not like huge on the Internet or anything. But I've heard of bands like if, you know, even if band has like, I don't know, 10,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, they, they will like somebody to get more views on their page or whatever will like tag and say that, that artist was featured or sometimes they will change their band name to that oh, just, wow. literally just to or actually i've seen it where it's like uh, i have seen that a lot there's uh because yeah. there's some way to add your own song to a non-collaboration playlist and then all of a sudden it's like people are like oh this is on the playlist that you said to listen to it's like but it's not and anyway yeah. sorry wow no yeah i have seen that that happened to uh that was the band it was like like whitney you know and yeah. like i think a couple of times like it's like Oh, new song from Whitney. And then, like, it's this, like, very vulgar, like, <laughs> like gangster rap song. And it's nice. like, I'm like, I'm just, I feel like the, like, people, you know, secretly Canadian or whatever, just like, no, no, no. You know, like, 
get it down. But uh, well, you, something that I've had happen a lot that this is kind of annoying. Uh, it's not uh, why I say annoying, but uh, the only like famous person with my name is a British film director who ma- makes like horror movies, and yeah. I guess he's pretty well respected in some regard. Because he doesn't have any social media, um, it, but his name's Peter Strickland. He's like a British guy. I have been tagged at least ten times, literally, over the past few years. Um, yeah. From like, there will be like a film festival in France, and yeah. then they're like, the new it will be showing this new film by, and then they see Peter that Strickland. it's like Peter Strickland. He does video stuff, and they're like, that's him. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you just tag? The maybe first he, like, maybe he's like he doesn't show his face, and so no one really knows. I mean, I found his face online. Oh, I know what he, he has his picture up there. So that's what's confusing is I'm like, anyway. There's but... no way he's as good looking as you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's got less hair, but I'm on, I'm on my way there, you know. So, but he, uh, but it's just funny when that happens, though. And you know, like we said, most band names have been taken. Uh, so unless you have something ridiculously unique, like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, you know, yeah, yeah. that's something has to be that unique. Otherwise, it's like it's probably been done before. Yeah. Um, kind of uh, getting near the end of the conversation. Um, we just talked a lot about, you know, Ninjutsu, which is your most recent project out. Yeah. But is there anything that you have out or have coming up uh, that you wanted to promote? Um, I don't know when it's going to come out. There's a record I'm working on, um, and. I'm looking forward to releasing it, you know, but I don't know how long it's going to take. I mean, we're, we're doing, we're trying to do everything like in studio and Ninjutsu was kind of half and half, half home recorded, half studio. But, um, uh, this one we're trying to like make it as pristine as possible, you know, but it's just, you know, it takes time. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, but I guess in the meantime, you know, just check out, make sure if you haven't heard of it before and, um, Follow me on Insta. I think it's make sure dot music. And since uh, you know you might uh, might not, I'll just list these off. The other bands that Josh has been involved with over the years that you should check out: uh, Fiery Crash was a uh, your group. I mean, you made music under that name for a while. Yeah, that was I named that after a uh, Andrew Bird mm-hmm. song. When I, I was that. like sixteen. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a few records. But Fiery Crash is great. Um, Quality Strangers, if you want to really take it back. Um, And then uh, Summer Rooms uh, has a couple uh, albums out from over the years. Make sure it's the most recent. I feel like I'm missing something. I mean, you you dip in and out of bands here and there. I'll help out with stuff. I mean, um, it wasn't too long ago. I did a song with uh, Isaac McCarty. Mm -hmm. um, And that was something I did. And I'm trying to, oh, I played drums for this band called Decoy Snail. They just put out a record. Um, nice. For, so, from around here, I guess? Yeah. Well, they were from Auburn. Yeah. Um, they, their, their term, they say, is like, we're the be- it's the best rock band in Eagles Landing. Like their, <laughs> their apartment complex or whatever. Yeah. No, I'm familiar with Eagles Landing. That's just funny that they, that, I mean, but like, think about it. We would say best band in Shady Glen. That would be, that would be a ridiculous claim though, because people would be like, <laughs> a lot who of they band. think they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. But anyway, um, check out Josh's music, follow him online. Um, this has been a great conversation. Yeah. And I'm sure at some point we'll have you back on when, uh, when you have like a new album out to promote, that kind of thing. Yeah, man. But dude, thanks for coming by. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It's good to reconnect with an old buddy. Of course, dude. Thanks. Thanks.